It was a little more than 30 years ago the federal government began requiring truckers to be tested for illegal drug use. Today, these tests are generally conducted the same way that they were then. However, recently, the U.S. Transportation Department rolled out the first wave of proposals that seek to expand how drivers are tested. Welcome to another edition of the Eyes on the Road podcast, presented by PrePass Safety Alliance, the provider of PrePass Way Station Bypass and electronic toll payment services. PrePass also includes informed software for improving safety scores and lowering toll-related costs. Online at PrePass.com. I'm Evan Lockridge reporting. Anyone who has ever driven a truck in the past three decades knows the drill when it comes to mandatory drug testing. Anytime you're hired by a carrier, you have to undergo a drug test due to Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration regulations. There's also post-accident testing, as well as drug testing in other circumstances, and there are drug testing rules for owner-operators. But one thing about all of this testing is the same. It involves urine testing. As drug testing technology has evolved, there are new testing methods using oral fluids as well as hair. In fact, some carriers are already using these testing methods in addition to urine tests. While they're not allowed to replace urine testing, there are indications this will change. Joining me by phone to discuss how drug testing for truckers is changing is Dan Horvath. He's Vice President of Safety Policy at the American Trucking Associations. Dan, thanks for being on Eyes on the Road. Evan, thanks for having me. Appreciate the uh, time today. Earlier this year, the U.S. Transportation Department unveiled a proposal that would allow oral fluids testing of truckers and other safety-sensitive transportation workers. Now, this would allow employers the option of replacing urine tests. What's in the plan and how soon could it take effect, Dan? Great questions, Evan. And really, this has been a long time coming, and it's kind of a two-pronged approach with how DOT has to do this. So so DOT, obviously, they're the ones that write the regulations for the the trucking industry, bus bus industry included in that. But in the reality, there are certain parts, such as drug and alcohol testing, that they have to take their lead from somebody else. And that's, that's the Department of Health and Human Services. So Health and Human Services, HHS, they're the ones that, that have the technical kind of specialty with drug and alcohol testing regulations. So what they did several years back was um, drafted the proposal, finalized it, and it wasn't until that was finalized that DOT could actually move this forward uh, and adopt it into the rule. So that's exactly what they've done here, and they published an NPRM, Notice of Proposed Rulemaking, that essentially will allow oral fluid testing to be used in the the trucking industry. So as we all know, urinalysis is what's used today. There are carriers out there that may offer oral fluids or even hair testing uh, as as, as an option, but what they have to do today is they still have to do that urinalysis because the other testing methods aren't recognized. Once this becomes finalized, employers could choose to do one or the other, oral fluids or urinalysis, and wouldn't have to do that duplicative testing. So make it a little bit easier on the industry uh, and makes it um, easier certainly on the employer for not having the expense and time of doing two tests. In reality, we're still several months off from it becoming final because what DOT has to do, they have to review the the comments that are received uh, and then they have to draft a final rule and that goes through interagency kind of approval at various levels. Uh, so I'm optimistic that we potentially could see DOT move on this by the end of the year. 
by rulemaking standards with federal government, that that's fairly fast. So I'm cautiously optimistic, but um, it, it'll just depend on how, how many comments they received. And this does have the potential to move a little bit faster than some other rulemakings. So what brought about this proposal that would allow a second drug screening method? Really what it comes down to is, and unfortunately, you know, we're seeing an increase in the number of positive drug tests that are in the drug and alcohol clearinghouse um, today, over 100,000 plus. DOT has been looking at ways, and as has the industry, to make sure that we're, you know, identifying drivers who have controlled substances issues. Oral fluids was identified several years back as, as an alternative. There are other industries out there that use oral fluids testing. So that's what prompted the initial rulemaking with Health and Human Services that eventually led to DOT's rulemaking that we're talking about today. And really, one of the primary benefits of oral fluids, as I kind of alluded to before, is the observed collection kind of method that, that would you know include, be included within oral fluids to where every test is an observed collection. And that, you know, for lack of a better word, kind of d- d- deters the cheating aspect of it. And I don't want to blank, you know, blanket every driver into this category, but unfortunately, there are drivers out there that do have controlled substance issues that will try and cheat, if you will, during the testing process. And with a urinalysis, if it's pre-employment especially, you you likely know that you're going to get that pre-employment test so you can be prepared for it. And it's unfortunate. You can Google how to beat a drug test and you're going to get results. You can buy devices, so on and so forth, that allow you to do that. With an oral fluids test, that is going to be going to be a lot more difficult for a driver to, or an individual generally, to cheat the test. Uh, like I said, it's observed collection. Somebody's going to sit there and watch you swap your mouth, and you'd have to get pretty creative on how to to, to get around that. So I think that's probably the primary benefit that ultimately led to this rulemaking. Also, again, for the ease of access for carriers, especially with random and post-accident situations uh, for anybody that's ever been involved, whether it be on the safety side for the carrier or even the driver. Uh, if you are required to undergo post-accident drug and alcohol testing, uh, that's difficult finding a clinic at sometimes, uh, especially when an accident happens in the middle of the night, in the middle of nowhere, and you're under time constraints by federal regulation. So oral fluids testing could enable a driver to actually have the test there at the roadside instead of trying to find a clinic or a mobile clinic to come out and do that test. So I'd say those are probably the two primary benefits uh, with this rule. Dan, another type of alternative drug testing that's being considered is the use of hair. Where is this in the regulatory process? What's in the plan? And how soon could it become an actual regulation? I mentioned oral fluids, how HHS, Health and Human Services, wrote the guidelines and now DOTs moving forward with it. That's what needs to happen with, with hair testing today. So currently, HHS has done a proposal. They've not finalized it, but they've done a proposal. And DOT can't move forward with implementing into the rules until HHS finalizes it. Now, the proposal itself, in our view, is a little bit flawed. Um, HHS is, is, you know, has a kind of a funky little requirement in there that if the hair test is positive, they would require a secondary test of either oral fluids or urinalysis. Uh, And from everything we know from hair testing, hair testing has a much longer detection window, uh, sometimes up to 90 days. So you would have cases where you have a positive hair test, but then a negative urinalysis or oral fluids. And the carrier, based on this proposal, would not be able to, to, you know, report the positive hair test, which we think creates a whole slew of legal liabilities on the carrier for having a positive hair test 
in a negative urinalysis, not to mention you can't report it to the clearinghouse. So their, their HHS has been working through those intricacies. There's been some concerns raised uh, with uh, bias in testing and the potential for false positives. As far as when it'll actually become a reality, uh, that's difficult to say. I mean, the proposal was issued uh, late 2020. Nothing has happened since then. So we're over, you know, well over, uh, you know, into that time frame. So potentially something to emerge this year. But even at that, then it would be the final guidelines and DOT would have to initiate an NPRM after that to, to get it into their regs. So I think that's me rambling saying we are still a ways off from having hair testing as a reality. Um, but that's not going to stop our push to get this as, as an acceptable alternative in the DOT testing world. You mentioned ATA is on record as supporting these different testing methods and why. What are the arguments for the opposition? On oral fluids, we don't hear a ton of opposition. Um, there was some concern as far as detection windows and for certain drugs it being better than the other, but oral fluids find far uh, much less opposition. Hair testing, on the other hand, there have been some folks that raised concerns against uh, potential bias with hair testing for individuals with darker, you know, pigmented hair colors, um, for individuals that may be around drug users, uh, such as in law enforcement, um, the potential for contamination that way. Uh, we feel that the lab standards for cleansing of hair during the hair testing process would be sufficient. Uh, there have been religious concerns raised with hair testing about taking hair uh, I joke for those that are follically challenged, what do you do in the absence of head hair? So there's a, been a number of, of kind of concerns that have been raised uh, as a result of that. And while we're not dismissive of those concerns, we want to work through to address it. So just because you have a concern that, hey, this you know has the potential for that, doesn't mean that you shouldn't pursue, move forward with addressing those concerns uh, and just throw out the rules. So that's something we're working through. Uh, with a number of groups out there. Uh, and one argument I hear brought up all the time from, from some folks on hair testing specifically is that it doesn't detect current use. It's going to detect potentially previous use. So in a case like post-accident test, it's not accurate. Uh, and while I could agree that it that is primarily detecting previous use and not necessarily if you're under the influence at the time, that's not what our drug testing rules are today. So our drug testing rules prohibit the use of marijuana, whether it was 30 days ago or the day before you drove. So I think that's a pretty poor argument just to say that, hey, this isn't detecting current use. And it's not until we start discussing roadside impairment standards that I think we should amend those arguments. Obviously, drivers are the one group that's going to be most affected by testing changes. After all, they're providing the samples. Is there any indication that drivers would be able to choose what kind of testing method they would like to use in the future? So at this point, what we're recommending is that carriers establish a policy at the forefront. So say, let's stick with just oral fluids and urinalysis. Say when we get oral fluids into, into the rigs. Uh, what, what our stance is, a carrier should have a policy that determines that, uh, because there could be the potential for an individual to say, well, I want a urinalysis because I might be able to cheat. And I, and I hate referring to all the bad situations with you know testing in general, because by and large, uh, our truck drivers are professionals and aren't partaking in illegal substances, but you know, unfortunately, you have to deal with the ones that are. Um, so we would want policies to dictate this and, and less so of a driver being able to choose. Having said that, there are drivers with health issues out there where 
providing urine sample may be difficult for them. So the oral flu, oral fluids may be an acceptable medical alternative. But by and large, policies should dictate from the carrier, you know, what testing types are going to be used and when. So do you believe having new rules on oral fluids testing or hair testing for drugs is going to be a so-called game changer for trucking? And if so, why? Honestly, you know, oral fluids, because it's in, you know, closer to becoming regulation and again, the ability for less, um, less chance of cheating with it, but quite honestly, hair testing. And I think this shows the intent of the trucking industry. Hair testing will lead to a greater number of positive test results. Uh, and if we get it into the regulations, into the drug and alcohol clearinghouse, and when we talk about driver shortages and everything, folks say, you know, why would you want hair testing if it's going to pull more drivers off the road? And my simple response to that is I would rather have an empty truck than a drug-using driver behind the wheel of that truck. So I think that, you know, both have the extent to be a game changer, certainly. Not to mention the carriers today that use hair testing. If we go back to the intent of the drug and alcohol testing program to begin with, it wasn't necessarily created to catch drivers who are under the influence. It was to act as a deterrent. And we have a lot of carriers out there that have the hair testing programs in place simply because they won't get drivers that apply just because they know they're going to undergo a hair test and they have the potential to test positive. So I think there's a lot of benefits. The industry wants to be safe. We don't want you know drivers who are drug, drug users to be behind the wheel. Uh, so I think you know both have the potential to be game changers. Certainly hair testing, maybe a little more than oral fluids, but now that we're on the path to get oral fluid into the regs, I think it's a great start. That is Dan Horvath, Vice President of Safety Policy at the American Trucking Associations. You can find him at ATA online at trucking.org. Dan, thanks very much for your time. Thank you, Evan. And you can read about testing truckers for drugs by going to the PrePass website at prepass.com and check out the trucking articles and resource library sections. There you can also listen to previous editions of this podcast as well as wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to follow PrePass on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube. I'm Evan Lockridge. Thank you for listening. And don't forget, keep your eyes on the road.